to the E-Commerce Australia podcast. Welcome to E-Commerce Australia. I'm your host, Ryan Martin, founder of Remarkable Digital. This podcast is aimed at those who have their own online business, e-commerce professionals looking to keep current on the trends, and for anyone interested in learning more about the world of e-com. For those of you seeking direct assistance, Remarkable Digital is just a call away. Our mission is to be remarkable, doing great things for great people and great businesses. I understand how much choice you have and how many podcasts are out there, so I'm truly grateful you've tuned in. Please let me know if you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like covered. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of E-Commerce Australia. I'm joined this week by Dean and Jono. Along with Dylan, they're the founders of the Stubby Club. So Stubby Club's an e-commerce business, the ultimate sports merchandise online. Uh, nice article recently in the Australian Financial Review as well, just quietly, boys. To find your favourite sports team, they have the best merch for you from AFL, NRL, Cricket Australia, Premier League, just to name a few of the product lines that the boys have. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having us, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. Looking forward to uh, learning more about the Stubby Club. Maybe let's start with both of you boys and how it sort of evolved. Where, where did the Stubby Club originally start from? So we, the three of us have a background in Hudson's Coffee franchises, so we were all working in our coffee stores. And I'd noticed that there was a lot of these Stubby Holder dispensers seen them on social media, seen them in blokes, garages and decks, and they were DIY, matted for PVC pipe, and they might have their team stickers or, you know, they're decorated in some way. And I said to the boys, what if we tried to get a proper vinyl printer, do them in as high quality as we can and see if we can get them licensed with the NRL and the AFL and the big sporting codes. So we basically went away, got a printer, got some stock, had a bit of a crack at doing it and ended up getting the A-League license for them, which allowed us to get the NRL license. And then basically from there, we got some sales, we introduced new products, got the AFL license and the NFL and, and things sort of snowballed from there. So it was a pretty quick process and we didn't really have any big intentions with it, but it snowballed into what it is today. Yeah, brilliant. Was it a hard process or a costly process getting those licenses? It was difficult because we didn't know anyone in the industry and basically they're a bit risk-averse in giving new people a go, but once you get your foot in the door, it's easier to get new licences because you've already got that experience. Once we had the A-League, it was easier for the NRL to give us a go and then that moved into the AFL and the NFL, but it did take us a long time. I mean, we've been four years now and we're still getting new licences, so it's a bit of a process, yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice. And um, Dean, in terms of your your supporter teams, mate, who, who are you? Uh, are you an AFL man? Are you a NRL man? Who do we support? We're all pretty much Essendon supporters here. There's uh, a big Essendon fan base at the Stubby Club, <laughs> and uh, Liverpool and uh, Man United for the Premier League too. So sure. that's mainly where we lie. Jesus, tough year. <laughs> well, yeah, tough year most years for, for us. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Well, um, like Essendon might be on the rise soon, but Liverpool had a pretty good uh, a pretty good year, apart from the ultimate to the last five minutes, I guess. I know Dylan's the big Liverpool supporter, so he was a bit gutted with that. But hopefully, he'll be happy this weekend after the Champions League. 
Yeah, yeah, nice. And um, locally, where are you guys sort of all Mount Martha area? Is that where you boys grow up? Yeah, Mount Martha, Mornington, Mount Eliza, that sort of area. So, yeah, we're all still down here. Our factory's in Mornington. We did have one in Somerville at the end of last year. We were there for a couple of years, but we've moved to a bit of a bigger space now in Mornington. Yeah, brilliant. So, obviously, what year did the Stubby Club start? It started in 2018, around this time. So, we've been going about four years exactly around now. Yeah, Brilliant. Well, it's a, probably no better time than during a pandemic to run a, an e-commerce business, even though there are some some challenges around shipping and, and materials and things like that. But what were probably, um, let's start with some of your early challenges. What was the, or some early lessons in terms of business and e-commerce? How did you sort of navigate the first couple of problems? As um, Dean said before, it was definitely obtaining the licenses. So yeah, generally a bit of brand recognition before, say, you know, the AFL gives you a go. So we started with the A-League, went on to the NRL, and before we could get the NFL and, and AFL, you know, it kind of took time and, and data that was needed from these guys um, before they would give you that go. So that was uh, an early challenge. We have uh, overcome that now, but it took, you know, two to three years to, to get yeah. that. So it's obviously building those relationships as well and, um, you know, the, the old uh, saying, who you know, not what you know. Was pretty important as we, uh, you know, didn't really know anyone from the start. Yeah, and I guess as soon as you can show them they're going to make some revenue, they're all, uh, you know, they're pretty uh, commercial models. Those those leagues. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So, in terms of next steps, and we've obviously come through the pandemic now, best we can. Running an e-commerce businesses, what sort of challenges did you guys face in getting through that period? Well, the the pandemic actually allowed us, because it started off, it was still the side business at the start of the pandemic and we were still working in the cafes. Both of the cafes are in hospitals, which were dramatically quietened down. There was no surgeries and, and no visitors and that sort of thing. So it actually allowed us to shift and focus solely on the stubby club and grow that as much as we can. So we actually drew a positive out of that. There were increases in e-commerce, as everyone's aware, during the pandemic, but there was also the challenges with um, supply chain and being able to get enough stuff to fulfill those orders. So there was ups and downs, but overall, we were able to grow during the pandemic because we were able to focus on it as much as we can. Yeah. So yeah, overall, it, it worked out okay for us. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, interesting, isn't it, that sometimes that, you know, that those sorts of things happen to like as such as a pandemic to really put all your all your efforts into to growing the stubby club was it more of a, a natural growth or like what sort of strategies did you guys put in place to ensure that you were growing you know over that period we basically just need to ensure we've got enough stock and that we're increasing our range as much as possible so we brought on a fair few licensed products new licensed products during that time and brought on a couple of new licenses as well so Towards the end, we brought on the NRL pet license. We added whiskey stones, beer growlers, mini table tennis tables, cornhole boards, and bringing on as many new products as we can to always keep the customer interested, new innovative fun products. And that's the way that we always make sure we are growing. Yep. Okay. And do you find that there's a product that sort of is a, a bit of a leader for you guys? Like, is there a product that kind of opens a gateway to future purchases? What's what's some of the popular products that, that people purchase through the pandemic? 
the stubby holder dispenser is still our best-selling product, which is our very first one. People just love it. People love having their team on it. And it's just, it's so effective because people do have stubby holders that are all over the joint, under the couch, in drawers, lost everywhere. So it's a good little storage unit. People love buying it as a present. It's that good price point for a present as well. So that continues to be our best product to this day. But we did have a golf pong product, which is a mixture between beer pong and cornhole. Yeah. And that, that really did fly off the shelves when we had to. We, we sold out in pre-sale two or three times. And we've got a big shipment of that coming in now as well. So that was a pretty popular one when people were locked down and, and wanted to play a game at home. So that was a really good one too. It's golf also, which is growing in popularity, yeah. especially during the, you know, the pandemic. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm a victim of that, obviously, by the look of, it, by the look of things. <laughs> How much like uh, pre-sale? So is that a, a, you know, a strategy for you guys to test the market on what items are going to work and what, what aren't? is to do a bit of a pre-sale to start with? Yeah, well, that it has become a strategy now because of that, but at the time it wasn't. We got in, I think, only a small number of units, maybe 50 or 100 units of the golf pong, and we sold through them really quickly. And there was still so much demand that we were selling pre-sale while the new lot of stock was coming in. Right. And then before that new lot of stock came in, we'd already sold it all. So we ended up going in pre-sale again for a second time in order to just meet the demand. So it wasn't intentional, but that's how it played out. And it is a good strategy going forward. You can do pre-sales to gauge how much demand there is, and then you can you can base the amount of stock you order off that pre-sale. So that's definitely something we'll be implementing going forward. Yeah, brilliant. In terms of sort of social media, how are you guys getting your name out there in terms of um, advertising? Are you doing much by way of organic posting or are you doing more paid? What's the sort of strategy on social for the Stubby Club? Yeah, we're doing a, uh, across a few different categories. I mean, Facebook and Instagram, uh, Google Ads we're also doing and we've just started on Snapchat and, and TikTok too. Uh, TikTok is is definitely growing the, the most, so we want to make a fo- that one a focus. Yep. Also, having that focus on, on business to business is where we're heading, so... We think that LinkedIn and, and Twitter will be a good one going forward, but we haven't quite started on that yet. But yeah, definitely nice. uh big part of it is online is will be paid and, you know, that social uh, aspect. Yeah. And what kind of, uh, if I could just drill down on the TikTok stuff, mate, for a minute, what sort of TikTok ads are working for you guys? Is is it uh, kind of you guys doing some fun stuff or you're doing any dancing or what does the Stubby okay. Club TikTok ad look like? Yeah, well, I mean, we've just started, but it definitely has to be uh, TikTok related. So, you know, with that voiceover and and you kind of got to capture that attention within the first, you know, five seconds and, and things like that. So we're very early days, but yep. we're just testing and trialing and seeing kind of what works. That's all you can do. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think uh, sometimes if you're, if you're not failing at things and you're not trying hard enough as well, like you've got to kind of know, <laughs> yeah. push the limits and see what works. Um, Pinterest yeah, is another... Pinterest is another interesting place as well to look at. I've had some clients that I've interviewed on this podcast. Um, it seems to be Pinterest is quite underutilized as a paid social platform as well. It's a little bit more image-based, but products like yours, it could uh, could be something to look at as well. Yeah, we've, we've read a few articles on that. So, yeah, it could be something in the in the short term. I'll have to look into it. Yeah, <laughs> so it's all about sort of 
underpriced uh, ads, isn't it, with Facebook and Instagram being so mature? Um, yeah. And I guess the did you notice much in terms of advertising on Facebook and Instagram over the last couple of years that that price has really gone up for what you get or have you guys found it fairly consistent? No, it's definitely changed, yeah. I think all the businesses are in the same situation. The uh, iOS changes really hit that attribution and things like that. So you've got to you know, continually pivot and, and grow and innovate, I suppose, with the cost going up. Yeah, 100%. Have you noticed much in by way of kind of that iOS update and getting that kind of zero-party data essentially I can see that you guys do quite well in that automated EDM space. I signed up last week and I've got a couple. So congratulations on yeah. uh, on automating the EDM journey. How much of a, a role does the, those sort of email, the email marketing play for you guys and how much revenue does it generate on a percentage basis, do you know? Yeah, we do know. It's obviously pretty heavy towards paid still. Yeah. Um, it's a predominantly online. We, we do want to push more wholesale over for, uh, for now. EDM's probably in the last 12 months, uh, you know, 3 to 5%, but, you know, underutilized. Obviously, it's free. You, you, you have your database to, um, to sell to, so definitely want to increase that. I'm not sure what companies have had in the past and what their, their figures are, but, yeah, they're still pretty low at that, at that percentage. Yeah, I think most of the time it's – email is probably a little bit forgotten about, but, you yeah. know, I reckon, mate, I reckon – Less than fifteen percent of ecom businesses have even have automated email set up. So, congratulations yeah. on that. That's um, you know, uh, and I think you can only improve that once you start looking at the results and having a look at click through rates and and all that kind of thing. But the good thing about email marketing yeah. is it's it costs you nothing, unlike paid. So it's a good channel to use, and and they've obviously already been to your website. So, yeah, it's definitely a, a strategy worthwhile, kind of continuing to build on. That's right. Yeah, it'd be great to to grow that to anywhere, you know, 10, 15%. Yeah. 100%. In terms of uh, the user journey and, and the customer experience, how much sort of thought or, or time goes into into that when, when you're looking at your e-commerce business? Yeah, we put a lot of time and thought into that and it's always something we can improve as well. But it's one of the most important things when a customer comes onto the website, things are clear, they can find what they want, and the checkout process is nice and easy. It's very important for conversion rates, which overall affect everything. They affect return on ad spend, it affects revenue and overall profitability. So we put a fair bit of time and effort into that. We've just brought a designer in-house who's done a redevelopment of the website. Oh, good. And we're still going to be making some changes to that going forward to ensure that it is in the best place that it can be. Yeah, fantastic. And you guys built on Shopify, am I correct? Yep, that's right. Yeah, perfect. Such a good platform. Obviously, uh, most of the guests I, I chat to are on Shopify, but uh, it just sort of makes sense from a, from a UX point of view. It's just a good experience generally on most of the Shopify stores in terms of load speed and page, you know, loading time and, uh, and you know, express checkouts and things like that. Yeah, most people I speak to that have e-com businesses as well are on Shopify. The templates are good if you're just starting and then it, there's a lot of functionality to build out from there as well to more complex sites. So, yeah, I think it's really good. Yeah, awesome. So I just want to chat to you a little bit about revenue and appreciate some of it's obviously confidential, but where do you sort of generally your revenue come from essentially in terms of email versus organic versus social paid versus Google paid? 
what are some of the the channels that are sort of performing best for you? Well, uh, we're actually doing a capital raise at the moment, so all of our revenue is uh, is out in the open sure. and public. So <laughs> <laughs> nothing's confidential for us anymore. But it's generally all well. I would say ninety percent of our revenue is is paid through socials. So we we're probably going to hit close to the two million dollars in revenue this financial year, up from eight hundred thousand last financial year. Fantastic. And the bulk of that is definitely paid socials. We do want to get that a little bit down and we are like John alluded to earlier, we we're trying to grow the wholesale side of our business too. So we won't be relying as much on the socials, but at this stage it definitely is mainly paid social ads. Yeah. And in terms of that paid social ad component, do you find the MP4s, do you find carousel, static images, what sort of creative tends to work for you? Yeah, it's a mixture. The carousels are good recently, but it's been changing. Like we've had our best performing ads be statics our best performing ads be video, and then it changes to carousel. It depends on the type of product, the time of year, the price point, You know, if it's a gifting time, so if it's near Father's Day or Christmas. But I can't give you a, a clear answer on that because it seems to be always changing. Yeah, yeah, nice. Do you, do you notice that spike between kind of a you know Father's Day, Christmas, that sort of thing? Like is there always a significant spike in traffic for those times? Yeah, huge, huge. So that August is probably our biggest month leading into Father's Day. Christmas is big as well, but it's more competitive and not all brands are a Father's Day brand, whereas we really are. Like People will always come to us and it's a great Father's Day gift. So that's our biggest month. And yeah, we get a huge spike in traffic and sales around then. Yeah, nice. And do you get involved with any of the, obviously you've got sort of click frenzy going on at the moment, but you've got Cyber Monday, Black Friday. Do you kind of as a business get involved with any of those sorts of discounting promotions? Yeah, we do. We do. You kind of have to, otherwise you get left behind. But we find that the bigger sales, like around then Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the bigger sales are later in that month. People generally are shopping up a little bit later, closer to Christmas because I don't know, people are busy, they forget, and that's just human nature, isn't it? But we definitely do get involved in those in those sale times because they're a good opportunity. Yeah, exactly. And if nothing else, I guess a good time to get people to your website, start to get them into your e- email marketing and a bit of lead generation as well. Yeah, that's right. They come to the site and, and have a bit of a look and then maybe if they don't purchase but they do purchase a couple of weeks later when they, they are thinking about buying. Yeah, exactly. It's all about getting some touch points. What metrics do you suggest is the most important for a great e-commerce business? Yeah, so the return on ad spend or ROAS is obviously the all-important number. Yep. But it's you know achieved by uh, kind of a mix of a few items like conversion rate, very important. So our conversion rate isn't too bad, especially in the in the, in the selling season. It goes right up. Yep. And another one is is average order as that contributes to the to the ROAS as well. So um, our sits are around yeah, that 120, however, again, always trying to increase that for the for different innovative products that we're bringing on. Probably yeah. cost per, uh, per acquisition, another one that's pretty important. And I suppose, yeah, to, to achieve that uh, ROAS, you know, businesses should be, should be kind of all over those numbers, I think. Yeah, perfect. I agree with all that. Do you guys have any kind of tactics that, increases that average order value like do you how do you guys go in terms of upsells or you know getting people back to a website for the second time 
Yeah, it's probably the upsells on the site, of course, not just the product on its own. You know, having high ticket items, we definitely have a have a strategy to to get more products that are that higher uh, ticket value, yep. so that will uh, you know organically increase that. But you know, try to get that upsells or that popular items you may like, you know, to do with the product that's been added to cart is a, yep. is a strategy, and then and then through other EDMs as well. Again, more needs to be done though, but um, yeah, it's pretty important. Yeah, that's the thing, I guess, with e-commerce businesses, right? There's never, there's never a happy like metric. You know, you can always <laughs> look at how how you can improve and you know how you can kind doesn't of stop, does it? Yeah, exactly. Put little hole, you know, tape over the holes in in a bucket terminology. You know, you just try and fix as many leaks up as you can, but there's always things to improve on. Oh, for sure. It's yeah, it's the nature of the business. Yeah, exactly. One of the the issues that I I'm really interested to with all the guests that I have on the podcast is to talk around shipping and how different businesses tackle the shipping charges. Some have free shipping over a certain amount. Some have flat rate shipping. How do you guys? Because you've got such a, a wide ranging kind of product range. How do you sort of tackle the whole shipping charge and and what to charge? How much to charge? Is it free over a certain amount? Like what's that conversation look like for you guys? Yeah, so we debated over that for a little while and we may have even overthought it because you can think so much about how to tackle that and will it affect conversions and add to carts and that sort of thing. But we've got free shipping over $150. Anything under that is $9.95, but that does exclude bulky or heavy items as well, which we do charge 995 for and that's purely just comes down to margin because they are expensive for us to ship out we just have to on charge that little bit to the customer it's not the full amount but it just offsets a bit for us so that's where we landed it just came down to a margin thing that's what we have to do to ensure we're still meeting our margins and we don't think we've had a drop off in conversions due to that so it's been received pretty well from our customers we think yeah perfect you know, I think the the common theme that comes through with all my interviews is the best converting websites are just the most transparent around their, their shipping. I think where things will tend to drop off is when there's a surprise shipping charge. So as long as they sort of know what they're getting in for, then I think, you know, that's all you can really do. Yeah, I completely agree with that, definitely. All right, so I touched on at the start, I read the, the Australian Financial Review article and the numbers are super impressive. You guys are doing a lot right. So congratulations for that. But talk to me a little bit around the crowdfunding model that you're, that you're doing some capital raising for at the moment. Yeah, thank you very much. So basically what we're doing is through Equitize, we're looking at 20% equity in the business and we're trying to raise a million dollars. And the expression of interest phase is just finished now, so the raise is going to be open for people to actually invest. That can be done through Equitize. And it's basically just to grow our product range. So we've got licenses with the NRL for a pet range now. We've got mini table tennis tables and cornhole boards for the AFL and NRL. And it's just to get the capital in to make sure we can bring these products to market as soon as we can to have them available for the second half of this year to hit our sales targets and to make sure we've grown as quickly as quick as possible. Yeah, we've got the NFL coming on as well. 
And basically, we just want to give people a chance to get involved in the business too, be a part of the journey and help us to grow as fast as we can. And it, it seems like a really good way to go about it. Yeah, perfect. And how is it? Uh, how is the expressions of interest and has there been quite a positive sort of reception on that early days? Yeah, so we've got over 500 expressions of interest at the moment and we're leading into the raise as we speak. So that's just opening now. So we think that's where we want to be and, and we're pretty confident that we will we will get what we want. So it's exciting. Fantastic. Come a long way from the, the Hudson Coffee days, boys. I oh, know, I know. It's funny when you look back. In our first factory, we was at the back of one of our mates, one of our mates' factories, and there was a hole in the roof. We were literally covering the printer with a tarp at night because there was leaks and things like that in there. So when you look back to what we used to do to where we are now, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, and it's a relatively short period of time as well, which you've done it. So, you know, you're doing a lot right by the sounds of things. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's gone pretty quick, but yeah, it is a short period of time. Where do you see the Stubby Club in, in the next two years then? As you said, you're doing a capital raise now. You're wanting to expand that range. What else could you guys up, get up to? It's going to be about increasing our licenses and just bringing more new, fun, innovative products to the market. There's also opportunities to move overseas. So we've got the NFL license for the UK and Europe. So testing in those markets to see what the, the demand might be like. There's also an opportunity for the NFL in Asia. Yeah, there's countless opportunities awesome. for us going forward. But first and foremost, we'll be increasing and bringing on as many new products as we can in the Australian market. And then we'll go from there. But there's plenty of avenues for us to go down. Yeah, brilliant. 